bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these big signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013, and I'm happy to report this is not another government shutdown Tuesday. I'll start this week's podcast with an update on the end of the government shutdown and the lifting of the debt ceiling. Of special interest to listeners is the budget conference that emerged from the negotiations, as well as, obviously, the deferred government shutdown and debt ceiling deadlines. I also have an update on Basel III minimum capital requirements for banks. Turning to new market tax credit news, I have two announcements from the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund. One, about an upgrade to the CDFI information mapping system, and the other, requesting reviewers for the recently submitted 2013-2014 New Markets Tax Credit applications. Then, in our local housing tax credit segment, I share information about a new California law that enables developers of special needs housing that's located in qualified census tracts and difficult development areas to qualify for both state low-income housing tax credits as well as 30% bonus federal LIHTCs. In Renewable Energy Tax Credit News, I discuss a report from the Solar Energy Industry Association, CIAs, about commercial solar installations. Finally, in our historic tax credit discussion, I discuss a report about building reuse in Los Angeles, as well as legislation in Wisconsin that would double, yes, double, the state's historic tax credit percentage. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, let me start by noting that today is the 27th anniversary of the Tax Reform Act of 1986. The 1986 Act created the Low Income Housing Tax Credit. The 1986 Act came 32 years after the previous most significant update of the Internal Revenue Code that occurred in 1954. This previous 32-year span to tax reform leads some to suggest that the political will to make such a major overhaul of the tax code occurs every 30 years or so. So is now that time? Let's start addressing that question by looking at the agreement that ended the government shutdown last week. The agreement that Congress approved late Wednesday night funds the government, via continuing resolution, through January 15, 2014. President Obama signed the bill early Thursday morning. The continuing resolution set funding levels at the current sequestration levels. That's $986 billion in total. Now, Congress also lifted the debt ceiling through February 7, 2014. These measures, obviously, are only a temporary fix. During the next month and a half or so, members of the House and Senate will convene a budget conference to attempt to craft a long-term budget solution. Senate Budget Committee Chair Patty Murray and House 
Budget Committee Chair Paul Ryan will lead a bipartisan, bicameral conference to resolve or attempt to resolve the funding levels in the House and Senate budget bills. All members of the Senate Budget Committee will participate in the conference. On the House side, the following representatives will participate. Tom Cole, Tom Price, Diane Black, Chris Von Hollen, James Clyburn, and Nita Lowry. That's three Republicans and three Democrats. This conference has until Friday, December 13th, yes, that's Friday the 13th, to come up with a plan to fund the federal government for fiscal year 2014. As part of these discussions, they most certainly will discuss sequestration, entitlement form, and tax policy, including tax reform, in addition to overall budget matters. Now, regarding the chances of tax reform, the question is whether this budget committee will reach an agreement, and if they do, will such an agreement include a framework for pursuing tax reform? My hope is that a long-term budget agreement can be reached, such that future government shutdowns and debt ceiling crises can be averted. My fear, unfortunately, is that the most likely outcome is that an agreement is not reached. That said, it is quite possible that sufficient progress is made in the budget conference discussions to avert a pending crisis that could arise around the January 15th government funding deadline and the February 7th debt ceiling deadline. I'll bring you updates on the budget conference's activities in future podcasts and on Twitter at, at Novogratic. Turning away from the shutdown and debt ceiling matters for a moment, I have an update on the Basel III regulations. As frequent listeners know, Basel III is a comprehensive set of international reform measures intended to strengthen the regulation, supervision, and risk management of the banking sector. Banking regulators say the Basel III rules will raise the level and quality of capital in the banking system. One thing that these measures aim to do is improve the banking sector's ability to absorb shocks that arise from financial and economic stress. When the complete Basel III package is implemented by January 1, 2019, so-called Systemically Important Financial Institutions, or SIFIs, their common equity will be required to be at least 7% of risk-weighted assets. On October 11th, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System published the final rules that incorporate revisions to comply with the Basel III framework. The final rule is consistent with the interim rule that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation and others published in July. The final rule replaces the OCC's and Federal Reserve's existing risk-based and leveraged capital rules and establishes a new regulatory framework. It strengthens the definition of regulatory capital, it increases risk-based capital requirements, and amends the methodologies for determining risk-weighted assets. The rule applies to all national banks. Advanced approaches banks are subject to Basel III as of January 1, 2014, just a few short months away. Advanced approaches banks are those banks that are allowed to develop their own empirical model to qualify or quantify required capital for operational risk. All other banks must comply with the rules generally by January 1, 2015. 
Now, it's unclear how these rules will affect tax credit investments. They will, all other things being equal, as an economist would say, ceteris paribus, lead to a need for higher yields for certain types of investments. We'll have to wait and see whether or not all things are equal and what impact these rules will actually have on pricing. Now, if you'd like to see a copy of the final rule, go to www.novacode.com. And if you have insights at in how you see these rules affecting tax credit investments, send us an email to cpas at novaco.com. In new market tax credit news, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, or CDFI Fund, is updating their CDFI Information Mapping System, or SIMS. The upgrade will begin at the close of business this Friday, October 25th. Users will still be able to access the present mapping system, but its capabilities will be limited. Users will be able to access existing maps, but they will not be able to create or save new maps of data. This will continue until the CDFI fund launches the new system. The CDFI fund is expected to launch its SIMS 3 system, the new system, on November 1st. And at that time, the system is scheduled to be fully functional. I will note, all maps saved prior to October 25th will be available. Additionally, users will be able to access new features. The CDFI fund said it will provide more information about the new system on November 1st. Now, if you have questions about the process, you can actually contact the CDFI fund at cdfihelp at cdfi.trez.gov. Or you can simply call 202-653-0421. And as always, we invite you to also review the mapping system on the Novogratic New Markets Tax Credit site. And if you have comments or suggestions as to how we can improve the Novogratic site, send us an email using the address cpas at novaco.com. Switching topics, have you considered being a reviewer of New Market Tax Credit applications? If so, you'll be interested in a recent request by consulting and technology services firm F2 Solutions. On behalf of the CDFI Fund, F2 Solutions is recruiting individuals to serve as reviewers for the 2013-2014 New Markets Tax Credit application round. Regular listeners will recall that applications for the current round were due September 18th, and the next round could result in as much as an $8.5 billion in tax credit authority allocations. Unfortunately, though, we think 3.5 is the more likely allocation award amount. The terms and conditions set out in the online intimacy reviewer application actually provide some insight for the broader New Market Tax Credit community about the application review process and timing. For instance, while the timeline for the awards announcement is uncertain, the dates noted in the description do give CDEs, community development entities, insight into the timing of the first stage of the review process. Once selected, reviewers will be required to complete training conducted by the CDFI fund that will require up to 11 hours of work during a 10-day period starting on or around November 18th. Then, based on the current timeline, the initial review of new market tax applications will be conducted between early December and late January. According to F2's terms, each reviewer will typically complete 12 to 15 assignments. The terms 
also estimate each reviewer will complete two or three application reviews each week, spending an average of four to six hours on each evaluation. Reviewers will work independently and remotely to complete the first stage evaluation of the new market test applications, and the entire process will be web-based. In addition to the opening timeline, the description discusses a couple other requirements that provide a peek at the mechanism and process of this review. Predictably, reviewers are prohibited from having any known conflicts of interest. They are also required to sign a non-disclosure agreement and to destroy all confidential review materials at the conclusion of the review session. This includes any printed copies of the applications, their notes from the application review, and all other confidential information. To read the complete terms and conditions, or to apply to serve as a reviewer, you can go to www.applicationreview.net. Or for more information about the 2013-2014 allocation round, you can go to www.newmarketscredits.com. In low-income housing tax credit news, we have an update from California. Governor Jerry Brown signed legislation earlier this month that will encourage the development of special needs affordable rental units. The new law allows the California Tax Credit Allocation Committee, or TCAC, to award state low-income housing tax credits to qualifying special needs properties that also have been allocated 30% difficult-to-develop or qualified census tract bonus federal low-income housing tax credits. Under prior law, a project could only receive state LIHTCs if they returned a portion of their federal low-income housing tax credits. That return requirement or exchange requirement has been removed for certain properties. Namely, properties do not have to go through this exchange if at least 50% of their units are reserved for people with special needs. We expect TCAC to incorporate the change in the California's 2014 Qualified Allocation Plan. Meanwhile, you can find a copy of the bill at www.taxcredithousing.com. In renewable energy news, the Solar Energy Industries Association, or SIA, and Vote Solar issued a report this month on the top 25 U.S. commercial solar users. Regular listeners won't be surprised to hear that commercial solar installations are on the rise, but what may be a surprise is how much the market has grown. The report finds that the top 25 companies have increased their solar capacity by 48%. The report attributes this growth to certain factors, including decreasing solar panel prices, as well as greater awareness of the benefits of the investment tax credit. As of August 2013, the top 25 companies had installed 445 megawatts of solar panels at more than 950 facilities. In 2012, there were approximately 300 megawatts installed at 730 facilities. Now, the company with the most installations is, drumroll please, Walmart. It came in with 215 systems. And who is in second place? Walgreens, with 156 systems. And coming in third was retailer Kohl's, with 140 systems. Other companies in the list include Costco, Macy's, and Ikea. If you're interested in seeing which other companies are on this list, 
You can find a copy of the report at www.energytaxcredits.com. In historic tax credit news, I'd like to discuss legislation introduced in Wisconsin to double its historic preservation tax credit percentage. The current program provides a 10% credit to historic buildings that qualify for the federal historic credit. Two bills, SB 132 and AB 147, amend the credit so that the historic buildings would instead receive a 20% credit for qualified rehab expenditures. The bill would also create a 5% credit for older non-historic buildings built prior to 1936. And something that's significant from a financing perspective, the bills would make the credit transferable. Now last week, the State Assembly voted 88-4 to to approve the measure. The State Senate could take up the bill as soon as next month. If passed, this will actually be the second time in four months that the tax credit percentage has been doubled. The credit percentage was, was last doubled in July to 10%. To learn more about these bills or to explore other states' historic tax credit legislation, I invite you to go to www.historictaxcredits.com. In other historic tax credit news, I'd like to talk about a recent report about building reuse in Los Angeles, the city where I grew up. The Partnership for Building Reuse released the report, and it's entitled Learning from Los Angeles. The partnership is a joint program of the National Trust for Stroke Preservation and the Urban Land Institute. Its goal is to identify and address obstacles to building reuse in major cities across the country. Los Angeles is the pilot city for this program. The report identifies barriers to the rehabilitation and reuse of existing buildings, and it recommends strategies to get around such barriers. The report uses information that was gathered from one-on-one interviews, analysis of development trends, as well as facilitated discussions. According to the report, the primary barriers to the rehabilitation of existing buildings in Los Angeles include market barriers. These are such things as high seller prices and a shrinking supply of pre-World War II buildings. Financial barriers. These include development costs, lack of equity, and financial incentives. Technical barriers, like parking, and regulatory barriers, things like zoning and development standards and building and seismic codes. The report says that historic tax credits would help spur redevelopment in the city, and it offers suggestions to encourage redevelopment of historic buildings. First, it suggests that California create a state historic tax credit program. It also suggests that new incentives, like state historic tax credits, be packaged with existing incentives, such as the transfer development rights, federal tax credits, property tax relief, energy incentives and rebates, and others. To learn more about the report, simply go to our Reports and Research tab at www.historictaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. By the way, next week, I'll have an update on the IRS's view of developer fees. These were recently discussed by Grace Robertson in her LIHC newsletter number 53. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. 
This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogradic and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogradic and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.